Welcome into the Inside Bassmaster podcast presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company. If you haven't joined and been a part of their coffee club, make sure you get to blackriflecoffee.com, be able to check out their coffee club. If you're a coffee lover, I know Kyle is. I know so many people are. Uh, I haven't necessarily dabbled in the coffee, Kyle. I probably, I've been I've been abstaining because I have an addictive personality. If I did it, I'd probably be <laughs> spending a lot more money on coffee. Um, but be a part of the coffee club, get the daily or the monthly updates, and then also get access and opportunities to coffee that you maybe isn't available to the public, kind of taste tester for Black Rifle Coffee Company. But Kyle, episode 147 of the podcast today, we are recapping Watts Bar a little bit and previewing Lake of the Ozarks because there's no rest for the weary back-to-back opens to almost wrap up the season. Stop seven and stop eight back-to-back got like two weeks off before the final open happens um, in mid-October. So welcome in. Appreciate you joining us. And Kyle, Watts Bar's in the books, and we're looking towards the Eufaula already. I mean, uh, not Eufaula, Lake of the Ozarks. Yeah, no, I. Uh, it, it's starting to get there. Obviously, once you saw the schedule um, in the middle of the summer, kind of where we had the lull, um, it looked like, well, there's three tournaments all in September and October. But, <laughs> you know, basically being back-to-back here with, with Watts Bar and Lake of the Ozarks, we're gonna we're gonna get some things figured out uh, pretty quickly as far as the points are concerned, and and things are gonna change, and we've obviously seen them change already as it is with Watts Bar. So, a uh, lot to fish for, a lot going on, and and you know if you're trying to make a run, if you're one of those guys that's outside of the top ten and by a decent margin, you know this is this is where you got to make that run. Yeah, and and I think when we talked about the opens and going to fishing all nine of them, I think the big talk that we had was replicating and creating a top level professional this is this is setting them up for a gauntlet you got to fish nine events just like you would for the elite series it's a long season you can have good spurts but you can have downturns you better catch them all year and prepare the way these elite guys do for their schedule well this is a perfect test of that normally we have never in the history had back-to-back opens unless it was like two separate divisions you know it was the southern event then we had a central event normally you didn't have crossover back in the day well with everyone fishing all of them this is the first back-to-back that we've had this is a great test Kyle we're gonna go we go from east Tennessee over to Missouri you got to go and switch up tackle at times you got to reprogram yourself also if you made the final day you're going to be fishing five days of practice three days of the tournament travel over to Missouri, fish four days of practice, probably because you're going to miss one of them, and then maybe three more days of tournament. So you're going to be fishing for over two weeks in a row like the elite guys do. I think this is a great test of that. And East Tennessee in the fall and the Ozarks in Missouri, they're not drastically different, but with the grass uh, potential that they had at Watts Bar, uh, there will be some tackle adjustments. And so, uh, well, it's good to see the the brain shift real quick. You can't hang on what you just did at Watts Bar and maybe use that the, the following week. You got to kind of reprogram for Ozarks coming up this week. Yeah, no doubt. And there's there's certainly differences, like you said. I mean, you know, when you factor in uh, boat traffic will be a, a far bigger issue, of course, with Lake of the Ozarks. It's a, it's a really big party lake as far as uh, pontoons and party barges and wakeboard boats and and jet skis and things of that nature. Um, obviously, a ton of docks. It's going to be docks just about everywhere. Um, steeper, clear water. Not that that Watts Bar doesn't have some of that, but uh, you know, I mean, it's it's definitely a different ball game. And like you said, there will certainly have to be a little bit of an adjustment as far as uh, tackles concerned. Not a complete from like fishing in Florida to like smallmouth fishing or anything crazy like that. But it's still going to be a little different and uh, definitely a, a change of scenery. That's for sure. One thing that uh, I'll say that remains somewhat the same was was our top 10 in points. Uh, when we look at how Watts Bar went, also, why don't we just go ahead, congratulations to Tyler Williams winning the Watts Bar Open and going now to the Bassmaster Classic um, because he's he's solidified it. That was the last one of the Northern, you know, the Division Three, the Northern Division somewhat. That was the last one there. So he uh, he is in the Classic already. And now going to the Ozarks and then Harris Chain. Congrats to Tyler Williams. We had such a star-studded top 10. I'm going to try to remember this is we're shooting this podcast, obviously, uh, after the event, but I, I don't have the standings right in front of me. You had four former top-level pros 
in Bobby Lane, Ish Monroe, Greg Bohannon, and Jason Lambert. Absolute like studs across the board have all had really high success, whether it was at the FLW Tour or the Elite Series in past years. Then you had the top three in our EQ, you know, St. Croix Rods opens point standings with JT Tompkins, John Garrett, and Trey McKinney. So that's seven of your 10 were either have been pros or they are the top three positions on becoming pros in the points race this coming season. Then of the other three anglers that we had, we had Wesley Gore fished uh, was a great high school angler competed at Montevallo which is a you know now becoming a powerhouse in college fishing and then you had Tyler Williams who won it a 21 year old from Maine and then the last one was Chase Henley the only like exclusive local in the field it seemed and he made the top 10 even with boat trouble and issues uh throughout day one of the event he was in the contention going the final day and, and David Gaston was the one guy on the elite series hoping Chase Henley got it done because Chase Henley would have been his best friend. If Chase won that event, David gets in the classic because Chase wasn't eligible. You have to fish at least all three in a division to make the classic. So we had uh, some points guys. We had some former pros trying to, trying to re-become pros at uh, the elite level. And then you had some of the biggest names in the opens point standings. And so you weren't covering the event specifically. You were doing the uh, high school combine down at Wheeler Lake. But did you keep an eye on the Watts Bar event? And what did you kind of notice before we get into what I saw on Bass Live throughout the event? Well, I was going to say, if we're if we're recapping this event, I'm not going to be a whole lot of help because <laughs> I certainly had my hands full with the uh, the high school um, combine. Of course, like you said, it it went from I was there from Thursday to, to Sunday. So I, I didn't get a chance to watch live, which was a real bummer. Obviously, I saw some of the. Uh, the highlights on uh, on social media and, and on the website, of course, but um, seemed as if it was uh, you know a, a good good tournament. It seemed like guys were mostly fishing shallow, which is something uh, you know with all the things that have been going on in the fishing industry was uh, was reaffirming to see, I guess, in a way. Um, it was it was like fifty fifty. I would say fifty 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 percent were using forward facing sonar and fifty percent were fishing fishing the bank, and the ones who were using forward facing sonar weren't necessarily Tamiki rig fishing. You know, they were looking at brush piles with big jigs, um, just trying to pinpoint where they would do it, just like we would if there was a waypoint, you know, in, in 2D and down or 360 you know, just a few years ago. So it was a different well, kind of forward facing for sure. That's the the one thing I noticed from, uh, and you can attest to this or not, seemed like from, some, from watching some of the highlights was, um, you know, at least for me, when I think of fall time fishing, and I say fall, I mean, it's late summer, early yeah, fall. It's kind of that best. transition time. Um, I think of like flat banks, wood, um, you know, things like that. It seemed like there's a lot of guys fishing undercut type banks. I don't know, like maybe you could explain that better because I, like I said, I wasn't able to really watch uh, and keep up with it. But um, it seemed like that seemed to be a, a, a reoccurring theme, which for this time of the year seemed a little bizarre, but maybe you have some more insight on that. Well, I, I, one big thing about Watts Bar, I fished a college regional there, I think in 2014. Yeah, it was 2014 I fished the college regional there, and I did so fishing solo. And, and it's totally different. We launched at the bottom end of the lake where half the competitors ended up fishing on the final day. But in Kingston, Tennessee up there, you know, it's it's a lot more river. This is obviously towards the headwaters of the Tennessee River, you know, Fort Loudon and Teleco just above it. But otherwise, it's pretty river-like. And then all of a sudden, it gets down to um, the bottom of the lake where, where are the things, where it's kind of built up a little bit more, where things change. But it didn't seem, from my recollection and from what Mark Menendez also said, it's not really, it doesn't have really many flats like other places on the Tennessee River do. Um, it kind of is more like a highland type body of water for the most part uh, on some of these banks, uh, you know, kind of like when you take a left out of Chickamauga and you start to head up there where Mike Huff is fishing a jig on bluff banks with laydowns off of them, things like right. that. Some of the guys who are fishing, you know, off the bank, but near the bank were fishing, you know, brush piles that where the channel swing swung up against those deeper banks and boom, there's a brush pile in, you know, eight to 14 feet of water, um, some guys, I mean, when I'd ask them what their depth, you know, their consistent depth, they said, yeah, I'm fishing eight to 15 and sometimes in 20 and as far out as 35. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, thanks for clearing that up for me. You know, you're kind of <laughs> fishing late, late summer. And then you're fishing some areas where they may are transitioning to, um, obviously the hydrilla and milfoil it's, it's 
coming into the lake decent in places. And so there were some different stretches and pockets that really were dependent on that. That's what Bobby Lane, you know, excelled on the first two days when he was the leader after day one and then made the top 10, obviously. Then you had guys like Ish who went up the river um, more so and was fishing just top water along anything that looked good on the banks. Seawalls were big as well. So I wouldn't say it was a ton of flat banks offerings other than the backs of pockets. I think Jason Lambert, um, you know, where he was fishing in the back of a pocket, a bay type deal. There was flats with grass on it. And then Greg Bohannon was more on the main river around some islands, but it was kind of flat in there. But for the most part, you didn't really have many flat options. So, uh, but I, I was happy to see 50% went south of takeoff. And even though we were at the top end of the lake, 50% went north of takeoff. So, and we got to kind of see a diversity of it. Um, but yeah, Tyler Williams winning that event. Congratulations to him. 21 years old from Belgrade, Maine. I believe he said on the phone he'll be the second person from the state of Maine to fish the Bassmaster Classic, which is pretty neat. Also, Kyle, <laughs> we know this. Me and you know this very well. How about the top three? 21, 21, and 18 years old. I mean, and then if you go to fourth, I think it was Lambert. Fifth was John Garrett in his 20s. So four of the top five are in their mid-20s or younger Absolutely incredible. Um, just the way this sport, we asked about it. Let's grow the sport, grow the sport. Now the old regime's kind of like, holy crap, these young guys are like really good. And they're like, they want it just as bad as we used to. For sure. Yeah. No, the, uh, <laughs> I, hadn't even, I hadn't even really thought about that as far as the age of the top three. But um, I will say this too, with Tyler Williams, I told you, I guess it would have been two years ago. I covered him in a nation at, uh, at uh, Pennsylvania and at Lake Erie and it was a slug fest and he was beating a ton of guys local guys there in that tournament and I, I remember telling you this guy's like good this kid's like really really good I didn't know he was this good I didn't know he was gonna like <laughs> jump into the opens and have some success like pretty much right away but um he has really shined and then obviously the guys below him not to take anything away from them it's just the uh points leader and then you know guy that's been in the top five all year long so yeah the the youth invasion continues on the uh bassmaster tournament series for sure yeah and tyler uh you know we were we were talking about it on live he is like a young john cox he was so giggly and laughing yeah. like every catch like you i would have assumed if you take bass track and the leaderboard away and i'm just tuned in to watch live and we didn't have the little you know slider at the bottom he was probably in eighth or ninth, maybe 10th place, probably about 12, 14 pounds behind, just happy to be in the top 10. That's what I would have taken away from it. But he was the freaking leader, and he was fishing about as free and relaxed as you can get. So uh, absolutely crazy. But congratulations to him. Um, now we transition quickly. Like he, you know, no rest for the weary, like I was saying. You got to run over and fish uh, Lake of the Ozarks for the eighth stop of the season. Another fall transition-based event, still late summer for the most part in this region of the country. But the mornings have been cooler. I walked out in shorts and a and a sun, you know, sun shirt this morning to go to Bible study, and literally <laughs> at six a.m. it's dang cold outside compared to what I was expecting. So it is um, the deal with that is now. The more colder evenings we have in this part of the country, the quicker some of these things can change. Um, and our guest today, Casey Scanlon, we recorded that last week before he started practice at Watts Bar and then obviously Ozarks. So he gave us a preview of that um, to the best of his ability. But before we jump into the Ozarks exclusively, there have been some changes in the top 10 in points. So we refer to the top 10 because Kenta Kamira is in the top 10. He's already elite qualified. So if you're wondering who qualifies from the Opens, it's the first nine anglers that are not already on the elites um, and are trying to qualify there. If you have Kenta in there, just look at the top 10. Those guys will be on the elites next year. When we came into the event, uh, I'll say seven of our top 10 have stayed the same. There were three guys who fell out, three guys who rose in. Um, those three guys would be Jamie Bruce, Joey Nania, and Matt Henry all fell out of the top 10. A little bit surprising for me that Henry and Nania, obviously Jamie Bruce is from 900 hours away up in Western Canada, but um, Nania and Henry, I thought they'd do a little better than they did. They dropped out a little bit, um, some different issues for them. They're still in the race. They still have a shot at if they have a good Ozarks and then obviously don't um, bomb in Florida. But Wesley Gore, Jacob Bigelow, and Kyle Austin all replaced them. We all know those names, Kyle, uh, Wesley Gore. 
He is, a, like I mentioned, Montevallo High School College Fishing Product. Kyle Austin, we saw him at the Chesapeake Bay Open live last year. He is a part of that Trey Swindle, Sam George traveling group, a bunch of young hammers from Alabama and South Carolina, Georgia region. And uh, he is a guide on Santee Cooper for catfish and for bass. So that's Kyle Austin. And then Jacob Bigelow. If you don't know about Jacob Bigelow, I know you may, but our fans, a Sturgeon Bay kid. I mean, five years ago in my DMs, y'all need to come back to Sturgeon Bay because we had an event in 2015. Y'all need to come back to Sturgeon Bay. Who is this kid talking about Sturgeon Bay all the time or the weights? And this is a Sturgeon Bay is just as good as a smallmouth place as some of these other ones y'all go to. Y'all need to come back to Sturgeon Bay. Now, Jacob Bigelow is in the top 10 in our EQ points race. Uh, maybe he'll have some more pull, Kyle, if he makes the elites <laughs> of like, hey, I got the Chamber of Commerce on the phone. Let's make this happen. But uh, there's your three movers and shakers. Otherwise, the top 10 pretty much stayed the same. We have JT Tompkins, John Garrett. It's about a 20-point gap or so, 23. Another 30 points to Trey McKinney, and that that remains unchanged because they all finished uh, second, third, and fifth in the open. So <laughs> very little points to be shared there. Uh, Kenta Kamira in fourth, trying to fight for that $10,000 AOY race. Not in it to qualify. He's already done that. Um, Robert G from the University of Tennessee, now fishing the opens. He's fifth. Brett Cannon, sixth. He moved up from lower in the top 10. I think he was like 10th. He moved into sixth. Keith Tuma, who was sixth, is now seventh. And then those three that we just mentioned. So a little bit of turnover, a little bit of change. Um, but for the most part, what a stud top 10 still. If you don't know them, you better get to know them because they're right on the doorstep of qualifying. Yeah, and like you said, if you if you pay attention, you know, and, and you really have, have uh, you know, I guess been covering some of these guys since college, high school, like we have, it's not a huge surprise that uh, that the guys that are up there are up there. But um, certainly, certainly, you know, I guess the more surprising part is like you mentioned last time we were on the podcast is the amount of guys outside of the top 10 that you just basically can't believe aren't inside the top 10 you're like they're getting left out right now like obviously there's some you know there's plenty of time here with two events left to to make a change a lot of things can happen guys can guys that are inside the top 10 can have a bad event and fall way out um and then you know of course we've seen the you know the types of jumps you can make but uh yeah when you look at at the at the groups below uh you know the top nine top 10 uh, it is it is utterly shocking to see some of those names. You're like, man, I cannot believe. And then you just keep going. You're like, well, I can't believe they're not in it. And I can't believe they're not in it. And it just goes down and on and on and on, which is really just a testament to the competition in the opens, which obviously is something that we've been hearing about for years now. And I think it's gotten, you know, exponentially stronger in the last two or three years. Yeah, if you're looking at guys who have won this year, Adam Rasmussen, he won at Wheeler. Then you look at uh, Ben Milliken, Toledo Ben, Joey Nania, Ufala, Oklahoma, Tyler Williams, Watts Bar last week. All those guys are 17th, 18th, 19th, and 24th. So winning doesn't just guarantee you to be sure. a part of anything. Um, and I'll say this, uh, coming into the event, I think Bobby Lane was 21st in points, about 60, 65 points behind. He is now 34 points behind. He has closed the gap, cut it in half after a, a top 10 performance, which you would think I made a top 10 out of 200 boats. I'm going to cut it more than just 30 points, but that's that's all he gained on it. Uh, it's still about 60 points. It's 67 from 10th to 20th. And the big gap there is... Even though Logan Parks is the first man out right now, like he was last year in the in the EQ race for the overall, there's it's not just I need to gain one spot. I need to gain a certain amount of points. He is 21 points behind the next spot. So he could beat, you know, Kyle Austin by 10 points each of the next two events and still fall short. So um the point gaps are interesting. 21 points from Kyle Austin and Logan Parks, 13 more points to Kyle Patrick and Bobby Lane. And then it's kind of like five or six and then all of a sudden from sam george to andrew upshaw 15th to 16th there's another 16 point gap so 16 to 20 point gap between a spot isn't a ton but it actually is getting more and more it's it's becoming if you have a 16 point lead after three events that's slim to none if you have a 16 point event lead out of two events left it's becoming a bigger task, but that's still just one day of competition. That's a guy finishing 35th after day one and getting into the top 20. That's a guy being in 10th 
after day one and dropping to 20th. There's 20-something points of change uh, for both of them. So now let's get into Lake of the Ozarks. This is our neck of the woods now, Kyle. I'm really, I really love when we fish in the fall, it's not easy. It's tough at times, but I really love the Ozarks because there's so many things you can do. You can go fish structure like brush piles. You can go fish deep points. Um, you can fish over suspended fish, probably Demiki style if you really wanted to. But at Lake of the Ozarks, we predominantly know when you get to October, maybe November, maybe late September, you could lock a topwater in your hand all day long. Um, and obviously my favorite thing to fish uh, you can fish docks all day long to kingdom come as well. You can go as far away from takeoff as you want and get away from people, or you can stay as close as you want and have plenty of stuff to fish. Uh, it's a very bo big body of water with a lot of boat traffic, like you said. And with our tournament being one day later and being Friday full field, Saturday full field and top 10 Sunday, we're going to have 200 boats on a Saturday when you know, Missouri football is not playing and they're going to be out on the water. Cause I mean, even if they were playing, you're not even, they're not even caring. They're going to, they're going to just look for the, anyways. they're going to look for the 61 yard field goal on sports center later or something. But, um, but yeah, so uh, Ozarks should be a good one. This lake has been fishing phenomenally for the, the lakes in our region, Oklahoma, Missouri, Arkansas, Ozarks has got to be one of the top two places. I mean, you did a video last fall with Bob Downey where he classified as one of his five favorite Midwestern lakes. If you could consider Missouri Midwestern, he said it's in his top five. Yeah, it's, it's got big fish. Um, I think, you know, the, the tournaments you see here in the springtime, like March pre-spawn, late pre-spawn, uh, you see the big fish. I mean, there are giants that live in there and I, there's a good population of fish, just like you see with all the, the uh, white river lakes, not that it's a white river lake, but obviously has a lot of comparisons, a lot of similarities um so I, i'm like you i i really hope that by the time we get to uh bassmaster live on the final day it's just a top water fest and everybody's just catching them blowing up and you're just <laughs> looking at uh, a four box or whatever it may be of just top water just walking the dog just left and right and then you know i that would be my ideal scenario but like you said the reality of it is probably not going to happen because there's so many things you can do um i think you can certainly go find um you know, dirtier water, I wouldn't say it's necessarily you're going to find like muddy water by any means, but like you can get in the backs of creeks and do things like that. I mean, you look at it on a map and it's very similar to to a lot of the, the Ozark lakes that, you know, have super long creeks that go on forever and ever and ever. And, you know, it's not unlikely that some guys would be able to find some stuff in the backs of those um, given the time of the year. And then obviously, like you said, uh, if you find a dock pattern, uh, you'll be able to run it because there's plenty of docks uh, in the lake. And, you know, especially if you can dial in something specific, that could certainly be a big player. But um, yeah, I think everything's going to be a play. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be like easy or good. Like you said, it's not necessarily a time of the year where you're like, this is the time of year you want to be fishing for, um, <laughs> you know, Lake of the Ozarks. But like, it is a time of the year where it's going to offer a lot. You know, there's going to be a lot of things going on um, and guys will kind of have their choice of uh which direction they go so uh i'm super i'm super looking forward to it i've been looking forward to this one honestly i said back in lack last october i guess it was whenever the before the schedule came out i was asked on a video what Thank my favorite you. which which open i was looking forward to and it was this one just because like you said uh closer to our general neck of the woods uh there in there in arkansas and and you know um south missouri but um i am looking forward to it and i hope 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 that there's some top water action to be seen on Bassmaster Live. Yeah, I could see uh, just based on how Watts Bar fished and how these temperatures in Arkansas are, I'd expect some of the same for Missouri, uh some hoodie weather in the mornings. Uh top water jig fishing, uh I could see a, a chatterbait and a spinnerbait playing uh, in the backs sure. of the pockets for sure. Um I think it's going to be key to to catch some early, especially before boat traffic gets out there. Um, yeah. I could see when I covered the guys in March, there was a like a schooling fish deal in March. Uh, it was very cold. Hail, rain came in, but a lot of bait fish pushed into pockets. And there was fish, literally, they were throwing a fluke and catching them in the middle of the pockets. And so I could see something like that also popping up. Um, and, and then once that boat traffic gets out there and you start bobbing around, bobbing around, you're going to have to make an adjustment maybe. And you may go to your dock fish or something like that. Um, if that's going to be the, you know, the best, most efficient way to fish. So 
we could go, um, you know, through all of it ourselves, but why don't we just have a former Elite Series pro, one of our Opens guys, Casey Scanlon, uh, coming into the week, he was in the 30s in AOI. He is now 26th after updating this. Obviously, our conversation was before Watts Bar, just with the back-to-back. He has now moved up to 26th, and Kyle, he is about, he's at 1017, 1017. We said the projection was like 1400 and change um, for maybe the 10th place position. That means he's going to need two, you know, top tens, but um, he still has a shot to do so. If he really has a good showing, he can make the classic as well. He did that through the opens in past years. Casey Scanlon, uh, if he can get a top 10 this week, chaos could happen at the Harris chain and, and he could slide his way in. But um, he is our guest today, lives on the lake works on the lake and has had to not fish the lake for a month with the off limits. So got to talk to Casey Scanlon and uh, he got to preview Lake of the Ozarks with us. Kyle, we talked about it. Our guest today, Casey Scanlon. It's, it's hard to put a thumb on certain anglers when they come to the Ozarks. You know, obviously when you, when you think about the local potential here, the guys who may jump in and try to jackpot or cherry, cherry pick an event, there are some guys that could show up and do well in this event, but the guys who have competed in all the opens this year, there's a short list of good Ozark hammers and Casey Scanlon. You're one of them. Appreciate you joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Ronnie. Casey, uh, Lake of the Ozarks. It's a place that uh, I don't necessarily want to be in a boat in late April through July or August, just based on, how many party boats there are on the lake. But when you get to September time period and you think about how tough fall fishing can be, there's no better place probably than the Ozarks in, in terms of locking a topwater or locking your favorite fall fishing bait in your hand and going for a couple of days and covering water. The Ozarks is a play, great place to, to kind of end the open season almost. Yeah, you know, uh, it's a, it's an awesome lake. We haven't been here for a, for a major tournament uh, in a while. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited about it. The lake is very big. Uh, it fishes pretty good in September. Usually a lot of these big events are following, um, you know, some major tournaments. We're going to have a lot of tournaments uh, um, on the lake throughout the fall. So there'll be there'll be some pressure out there, but uh, I think the, the bite's going to be good. You can do whatever you want here, shallow to deep. And uh, I think it's all going to be in play in September. And the big boats are still going to be out. So we got the tournament uh, going Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, man, if there's any sunshine at all, it's going to be bumpy. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be at the event uh, shooting photos on the water. So I'm looking forward to that already, breaking <laughs> breaking my back out there, hopefully. Uh, Casey, uh, I was going to ask about this. So, you know, once we get to the fall, I know September um, – you know, conditions wise in that part of the country can be still really warm or you can start to get those cold nights and, and start to feel a little bit like fall. As yep. far as the conditions are concerned, like what are you looking for the most, I guess, like if you could pick your ideal conditions and then also like, do you think it'd be better if the conditions just stayed more stable towards like the summer type type weather? Um, You know, I'm, I'm, all for the changing conditions. Honestly, I'd, I'd love it if uh, some things kind of changed, uh, maybe maybe even tournament day. Um, this lake is a lake that, unlike a lot of the Ozark lakes, it can fluctuate a lot. It stays relatively stable throughout the year. Uh, we've had some water drop in here um, just in the last few days. Uh, so they're drawing it down a little bit. That could change things a little bit. But for a lake that's as stable as it is, the fish tend to do a lot of different things and they tend to change day to day. So it's one of the, uh, it's a lake where you got to stay on your toes and uh, kind of fish the conditions. Um, but uh, September should be um, a really good time. I mean, right now we've got, um, you know, pretty warm nights or pretty warm nights still, uh, very warm during the day, but temperature has been fluctuating and starting to feel like fall a little bit. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of things going on here in a couple weeks and fishing should be really good. I've covered a college event there, and I think it was the week after a Bassmaster Classic. If I remember correctly, it was the week after the Conroe Classic in 2017. So it was uh, mid to late March. 
I mean, it was storming. It was, I'm pretty sure a giant hailstorm came through. Like you said, those changes that happen on the Ozark fishery, it can throw people for a loop, but it often seems like, and I also remember covering a team championship event at Norfolk right there on Northern Arkansas, you know, right below Missouri. And I remember in both of these events that the local Arkansas, Missouri teams, whether it was the team championship or college, when those conditions changed, people rolled into town and it was frigid cold temperatures for that team deal. And for the college deal, obviously hail and a lot of rain influx. It seems like that is the most comfortable time for the locals because they know those slight adjustments. What what are the the a little adjustments? Not you don't have to give away all your goods, but like if it did have an influx of rain, or we did have, you know, four nights of cold weather or two nights of cold weather right before the tournament, we think it shocks the fish, but what does it open up more things or does it narrow it into this is the one thing I need to be doing now? Yeah, definitely, definitely narrows it down uh, for sure. Um, you know, the, the patterns change daily here. This is a huge lake. So, um, you know, when, when things do change, uh, being a local um, definitely has its benefits. Uh, the fish here like to bite. So uh, typically it's not about, you know, the fish shutting down. It's about adjusting and figure out, figuring out what they're doing. And, and uh, one, go ahead. I was just going to ask, you know, just as a, as a general, you know, obviously, you know, Ronnie has mentioned this, this will be on Bassmaster live on the last day. Um, you know, for the viewer, what would you expect to be some of the deals? Maybe not necessarily what you're going to be doing, but some of the things that'll be in play. Ronnie obviously mentioned the top water. I think um, that's something people are looking forward to. What would, what would you expect in uh preview for, for this tournament? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of dock fishing this lake uh you're you're hard pressed to find uh open bank um besides you know a few uh areas on the lake so uh you're gonna see a lot of docks you know from shallow to deep um you're gonna see uh th there's a variety of cover in the lake so when i say a guy can do anything he can literally do anything and the lake's over 100 miles long so uh if a guy wants to catch them in september you know, the playbook is is really big. You know, you can do a lot of different things. So I expect to see uh, the top 10, you know, maybe doing five, six, seven different things. You know, you're going to have guys run way up the river, fish shallow. You're going to have guys, uh, you know, fishing extremely deep, you know, whether it's structure, brush piles, you know, deeper boat docks. Um, you know, definitely the, t the, the top water could be in play. Um, you know, it's a little early for that, but the, definitely there's going to be some fish weight on that. Um, you know, the docks, of course, there's going to be a variety of patterns happening, uh, happening there. Um, you know, so you could, and, and with the live scope and, you know, new guys coming to town, you know, it's, it could be, um, you know, a whole different thing than, than some of us locals are used to seeing. So, uh, I expect it to be a fun tournament. I think, um, you know, I think docks are going to be the, the main deal uh, come September. Um, but, you know, uh, depending on the conditions, you know, if the lake comes up again, you know, that could open up some things as well. So one big thing that we changed for the Bassmaster Open season this year that helps uh, for the most part, guys that are out of towners or guys that have other, you know, their their hands in other projects like you may the 30 day or the 28 day off limits period where you can't necessarily fish the lake uh, that also kind of hurts the, the local jackpotters or the single division guys that would normally fish. We were, me and Kyle were talking about this, the last three events, East Tennessee, the Ozarks and F central Florida. That is the hotbed, the three most hotbed places for local anglers that are going to jump in and win something. But with that month off limits for them and not being out there every single day or having the accessibility to go hop out there in an evening after work, does that kind of tilt it back into a little bit of it's wide open on who could factor or obviously those locals or, or anglers like yourself who have knowledge of here, not being on the lake for a month doesn't hurt you because you know how to, how to practice differently during the official practice time. So what's your thought been on, on navigating a month off limits? You're, you're well accustomed to that as a professional angler for your whole career, but yeah, it, it is a little different for the opens now. Yeah. Uh, you know, it doesn't bother me being off the lake. 
for uh, a month or whatever, you know, I mean, I, in my head right now, I feel like, you know, I could go out there and, and fish the Derby, you know, I've already kind of lined up what I'd like to do. You know, you always know that that uh, usually doesn't work, but um, <laughs> you know, the, it doesn't bother me in the aspect of being off the water. I do guide here at Lake of the Ozarks. So I've had to, you know, turn down some guided trips and things like that, which has allowed me to, uh, you know, get out there and, um, uh, you know, work on my house and do some other stuff that, uh, some chores that I should, should have probably been doing all summer. But, uh, you know, uh, that's the big thing. You know, we live here on the lake. We go out on the water and, and eat dinner and swim and do all that stuff. So that's, that's the big part about being off the water for 30 days is just being able to look at the water and not touch it. Well, Kyle, at least we know his back's going to be well intact for the last three events of the season since he's been off the water during the heat of the summer. You're good, then. You're going to be – you're well-rested. <laughs> yes. uh, let's talk about weights for a minute. Let's uh, – you know, obviously, this time of year on Lake of the Ozarks, um, haven't had any tournaments here recently, so it's kind of hard to gauge. What would be your weight prediction as far as, you know, what you think it'll take to win and then what you think it'll take to make the final day? Um, okay. Uh, I think you're going to have to have, I think you're going to have to have probably 33 pounds to make the final day. And I think you're going to have to have, you know, anywhere from 54 to 60 pounds to, to win the tournament. You know, I mean, if you're going to go out there and fish, um, you know, in the evening, or fish, uh, you know, a team tournament on the weekends, you know, you, you better have 20 pounds or, or, or more if you, or, you know, at least a four pound average, if you're even going to think about winning, you know, but I fish some of these multi-day tournaments down here in the fall. And, um, you know, they're usually after we have a big bass tournament down here that gets like, you know, five six seven thousand entries and usually these tournaments are like the week following that so there'll be a little, little bit less pressure on the water so you may see the weights uh bigger but usually like in those three-day events in the fall it takes you know in the, the mid 50s you know but uh you'll see a lot of big fish caught and the, the potential is there for more of course well, that's phenomenal. We know when we go to the fall, like I, I just keep referring back to Sam Rayburn last year to end the open season. Logan Latuso got second place. He had five pounds on day one, 31 pounds on day two, and seven pounds on day three. That's a 15 pound per day average. And you're talking about you're going to need 16 and a half just to make the final day, obviously closer to that 18 to 20 range to maybe win the event. That's fantastic weights. Do you feel that Lake of the Ozarks is is underrated for, you know, we want to we want to pigeonhole some of these lakes like we want to be in Florida for the spawn because that's when 10 pounders show up. We want to be in the Ozarks pre-spawn for cranking and jerking because that's where it happens or when the topwater bites crazy in the fall. But what is the Lake of the Ozarks fish like in the summer? I mean, is it a pretty solid, you know, we see Table Rock go up and down weights wise. Is Ozarks, you know, with it being predominantly largemouth and stuff, is that a, is that one of the most underrated lakes in this region? Uh, I would say in the region, definitely. I mean, it's, uh, I would say hands down the best lake in Missouri um, as far as, you know, weights go. You know, Table Rock's fun. A lot of fish in there. Probably your potential at catching a ten pounder at Table Rock is greater than than here. But we this lake is loaded with you know three to six pound fish, and we catch them every day. And they like to bite. You know we've got a lot of boat traffic, a ton of boat docks, which makes it hard to get to a lot of them. I mean, there's more boat docks here than I would say anywhere in the country. So. Um, it helps these fish spawn. It helps protect them. And uh, we've got a good population of fish and the water level, you know, it fluctuates three, three feet a year, you know, maybe four, um, four or five foot at the most. And it's pretty predictable on when it kind of goes up and down. So, you know, these fish get good spawns for the most part and, and the lake stays consistent. Casey, I feel like I got to ask this. Ten years ago, you fished the Bassmaster Classic at Grand Lake. What would it mean to you ten years later to win on your home lake and go back to Grand Lake for the Classic next year? 
it would feel uh it'd feel pretty awesome you know um uh, i i think i want an open to get in that uh, uh that that tournament there so it, it'd kind of be like deja vu uh i love grand lake it fishes a little bit like this one um and uh, as far as you know having the boat docks and whatnot and um you know that tournament i was young and uh i wish i could do it over again i put a lot of work into that that derby and uh you know didn't do as as good as i should have and uh you know going into that i thought i was uh you know had the potential to win for sure so i'd love another uh ch chance at the classic and of course to be on grand lake would be awesome this time of the year it's a, it's a high stress time for bass fishermen in general there's anglers on the elite series worried about staying requalified for the next season we've had all kinds of like up and down nobody's getting cut because of covid and then now we're having to implement cuts so people are kind of blindsided by oh no my average isn't as good as i thought it was now i'm on the outside looking in um you have been an angler that was on the elite series had to deal with that you know that strife but now you're in the opens um, after, you know, you, we see the big checks behind you. You've won professional events. Like you said, you win opens. You've won FLW events. Uh, now you're on the opens 10 years later, like from when we just mentioned, you're you're more matured, much wiser of an angler. But yet there's still a bunch of pressure going into the last like two months of the season, because going into Watts Bar for the last third of the year, you're you're only about 120 points out of the qualification which in a 200 boat field for three straight events that's that's doable 120 points is a lot in the elites 200 plus boats you can uh, make up 120 points so where is casey scanlon's mindset knowing that this is a time of the year where a lot of people can choke a lot of people can fall short and you're you're much wiser and, and much more veteran than a lot of the guys maybe ahead of you in the points Sure. You know, and uh, my finishes this year, I don't know if they've shown that or not. You know, I've, uh, I haven't, um, I haven't really paid a whole lot of attention to the points lately. Early on, I was kind of looking at them, uh, but 120 points sounds pretty doable. Uh, I feel really good about this tournament here at the house. Um, and Watts Bar, never been there. Uh, been looking at it on Google Earth and stuff, and I and I love going to lakes that I've never been to. So excited about that one. Love the Harris Chain. Had you know fantastic events there, and had not so fantastic events there as well. So, but but love love the fishery, and uh, uh, you know the the pressure's not really getting to me. I uh, I've been swinging for it all year. You know my finishes. You can probably see that in. Uh, you know I've I've had you know a couple not so good ones. And, you know, a couple top tens mixed in there. So, you know, I've been trying to go out there, you know, fish kind of by myself if possible with that huge field and uh, kind of do my own thing and swing for it. Uh, but, you know, I've got a game plan here on these last couple and, and that's to go out and have really high finishes because that's what I'm going to need. So uh, I'm going to go out there and continue to swing for the fences and, and try to post a couple top tens for sure. Casey, I wanted to jump in, Kyle. Sorry, I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt, but I wanted to follow up on that. Kyle and I were previewing Watts Bar with John Garrett, who has led the points for most of the year. Now he's, you know, right behind J.T. Tompkins for qualification line. I told Kyle, I would be okay if our rookie class. Obviously, people joining might not be necessarily rookies. Like if you qualify, you're not going to be a rookie. But I'll take the the nine anglers from one to ten that would qualify. I would take 11 to 20. I would take 20 to 30. And where you're at, you know, going into the last three events, 32nd, if you took 31 to 40 out of the standings, that is a fantastic rookie class coming in. Can you speak to the level of competition where you look down the list and you may not know them because they're not former pros or not from another tour or anything like that, but they might be college studs. They may be guys who are veterans of the opens trying there. You can't skip a name without it being stud. And so, 32nd might not be where you want to be at this point in the year, but man, you are right in the thick of a lot of really good anglers fighting for those, those nine spots. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I've had some, some not so good finishes on paper, but if you look back at some of them, you know, maybe like Wheeler and what I'm saying is I think I've posted a limit of every single day of competition, you know, and, and averaged, you know, you know, pretty good weight you know, at least through the, those first several events there. And, and uh, you know, 
the guys just don't lit up. So I don't know a lot of them, but there's there's been a lot of fish caught this year. Uh, that's impressed me. And you know, you haven't seen you haven't seen a lot of guys falter. You know, some of these names that have been at the top have have stayed up there. So we've had huge fields. We've had a lot of diverse fisheries. So it's been impressive for sure. Ronnie, I was just going to ask one more general question. Um, yeah. Not so much about the points, just, uh, uh, you know, obviously talked about the lake itself. Um, as a as a guy that spent a lot of time on the White River, it, it's it's unique because I've got to travel around and just like you, have and see a ton of new bodies of water, different stuff. And it's very, very interesting to me that the, the White River lakes and Lake of the Ozarks, you know, some of the lakes in that general area are so different than the rest of the lakes in the United States. Like, I, I just, I'm just curious, like, what your perspective is on that, because you got guys that are obviously incredibly good, like in Florida, maybe, like fishing grass, and then you have guys that are incredibly good fishing, like, Ozark-style type lakes. Like, like explain, like, the differences, like, for somebody that's maybe never been to a Ozark-style lake, like, how it is, it's basically like being on another, another world, in a sense. Yeah, you know they're all uh, they're all kind of unique. We usually have uh, multi species. You know, uh, we've got all three of them in here. Even you know, smallmouth definitely will not play in this tournament, but uh, we've got them in here. Uh, so usually multi species lakes. Usually uh, you get some clear water, uh, but you can find some dingy water as well. We've got standing timber in a lot of them, uh, brush piles, uh, but. But usually a lot of rock transitions are some of the main features. So um, it's just like an angler in Florida being able to read a lot of the different types of vegetation. You know, down here, you know, you get to be able to read the different types of rock, you know, and, and how that relates to, um, you know, time of year. And then, you know, uh, but you, you learn to love hardcover. You know, wherever I go, you know, I'm looking for boat docks. I'm looking for brush piles, you know, uh, things that kind of remind me of home. So, um, but but definitely unique fisheries. We don't have hardly any grass in most of them. So um, when I first started fishing on tour, that was a, a learning experience for sure. Just just knowing what it was. And, and uh, uh, since then, I've really learned to to love fishing grass but uh, we definitely don't have much of it here to learn on in the Ozarks. I uh, I remember in 2008 for the Bassmaster Classic when I was just entering high school, really, really gaining interest in fishing to a level of trying to learn and understand. And I saw the lake at Hartwell pulled so down so low and I actually got that, hey, this is some rock to clay or clay to pea gravel transitions. And you could see the visual there in Alton Jones's his camera view. And, and that totally opened my eyes. I, I never even considered, I only look at the bank when I was that age and didn't consider the differences under the water. So the Ozarks living in Arkansas now in Little Rock, that's taught that I've learned a lot and, and been able to even pick up on those subtleties. So that's super cool, Casey. Well, Kyle, if you're out, I'm I'm good. And we'll, uh, we'll let Casey get back to, to building the house before he, uh, heads out to the last couple of events of the season. Um, Casey, appreciate you, man. Best of luck to you. Uh, I've always enjoyed our conversations together, even if they were brief. And hopefully uh, myself and, and Mr. Greg Hackney will co-host uh, Bass Live, and we'll see you Sunday on the final day of the Ozarks event. Well, I'm looking forward to it and uh, planning on Sunday. So we'll see you later, Ronnie. Appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Casey Scanlon, our guest today on the Inside Bassmaster podcast presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company. He's definitely going to be one of the Ozark guys we keep an eye on for the eighth stop out of nine for the Bassmaster open season. Kyle, Casey Scanlon, uh, a good rundown. Plenty of big checks and trophies behind him in that shot to to say, hey, we need to listen into what he says about Lake of the Ozarks. Um, you know, we've got actually a decent reputation We've had some guys finish in the hundreds, but we had Sam George get fourth, Jack Dice get fourth, and John Gary get fifth in the then three of our pre, uh, prediction shows and uh, preview shows. So maybe Casey Scanlon can wrap out and get at least we can have half of our predictors this year be you know top ten finishes. So uh, Casey obviously one to watch this week in the Ozarks. Yeah, I, you could kind of tell, you know, he, he didn't, it wasn't by no means was he like cocky or like kind of like overstepping anything, but you could just sense a quiet confidence, like a, a, a you know, a, a confidence that, uh, 
you know, he's been looking forward to this and he, he feels like he's got a, a good idea, obviously, of what the deal will be before the tournament even starts. Um, you know, obviously, we'll have time to to figure it out and dial it in and practice. But like you said, certainly one to look for this week at Lake of the Ozarks. Yeah, and it seems like the, a lot of the local guys always want chaos to happen. They want they want yeah. it to get super cold. They want it to rain super bunch, like whatever, because it only when when the conditions get tougher, it puts it in their category. So he was wanting that that spontaneous change, uh, if if he could uh, request that. But cooler cooler mornings, um, still decently not warm nights, but like the last few nights have been like. Uh, I could sweat if I hung out here a little bit, a little longer, but then in the mornings, it's pretty brisk. So we'll see how those conditions change. Kyle, are you going to the Ozarks to cover this event or are you hanging back and maybe you'll cover the Harris chain? I am not. So uh, Chase Sansom will be headed there. We've got, uh, you know, good crew going, Sago shooting an open. That's going to oh. be, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He shoots some there towards the end of the season. So uh, we're going to, we're going to have our, as I say, our best men on the job there at uh, Lake of the Ozarks, Tyler Bridges. Um, a younger photographer from the same area that uh, you know Dalton Tumblin and Logan Crumley are from. He's yeah. going to be headed there. Uh, I'm working that's on the recruiting website, base. So. That's our recruiting hotline. Yeah, no kidding. It's that's pretty much like <laughs> that is pretty much our recruiting base. That's where we get all of our five star recruits. But um, no, I, I'll be working on the website. I'm actually excited because I will get to watch live, unlike uh, this past week. So um, I certainly plan on on Sunday. Uh, plopping down, watching some football, watching some Bass Live, and uh, making a day of it and uh, producing for the website. Well, if you are trying to tune in, the tournament starts Friday instead of Thursday. So it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll have full field Friday and Saturday. Top 10 on Sunday. You only got four guaranteed days left in the season to fish, and that's day one and day two of these last two open. So these anglers are high urgency on getting as many points as possible. The top 10 that fish on Sunday, we will have them on Fox Sports 1, which is a great – uh, window of time. We always talk about Fox Sports One and our partnership with them. Uh, on Saturdays, we leading into college football. On Sundays, we lead into NASCAR and and obviously NFL coverage um, that they have on their shows throughout Fox. Uh, so I know that it's going to be a great viewer base to watch the top ten. We'll bring in some big guns. We had Mark Menendez join us in studio last week for commentary with Watts Bar. He did a fantastic job, and Greg Hackney will drive up from Louisiana to join us. Uh, for the final day coverage of Lake of the Ozarks. I asked Jason Christie, but I knew the answer was already no before I asked because he's getting married very soon. So I let Jason be, but I, I wanted him to know I was thinking about him. And if he was got a wild hair, you could join us in studio too as well. I could only imagine having a Greg Hackney and Jason Christie on a commentary crew together. That would be absolutely, I'm not even gonna, for the first time in my life, the fans would be rewarded. I'd probably shut up and just let them chat back and forth all day. Um, but it'd be a great show. Such will join us, uh, myself and Greg Hackney, and we will cover League of the Ozarks live on FS1 and Bassmaster.com, and we hope to see you there. That's our preview episode for Lake of the Ozarks. The points race after Watts Bar got even tighter in some aspects, had some flip-flops. Guys who were in are now out. Urgency is now at their doorstep. I better go catch them, and the guys who are in, don't fish tight. Because you want to protect your lead and your your gap, but you do not want to lose your lead. So uh, we will see how it all transpires. Keep an eye on the updates as they come in every single day. For Ronnie Moore, that's Kyle Jesse. We will see you in the next podcast where we preview and look at the College Classic Bracket. Because that's another tournament on Bassmaster Live coming up very soon. We will crown the single representative of the College Series. They will go to the Bassmaster Classic and they will get a... Uh, an opportunity to represent all of college next year on the Bassmaster Opens in the EQ points race. So for Ronnie Moore, that's Kyle Jesse. We will see you in the next one.